The blessings come down when the praises go up. The blessings come down. It seems like blessings keep falling in my lap. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? It seems like blessings keep falling in my lap. Well, good morning. Just a little weak on this side. Good morning. There we go. A little balanced out. Well, if this is your first time here, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor, and we just want to say welcome. Uh, I know Pastor Jimmy had talked about it just a moment ago, but please take a moment and fill out a connection card. We really are passionate about helping people in their journey of faith, and that includes helping people in their journey to become a part of Greenville First, the family that's here, and serving and making a difference, not only in this church, not only in our community, but in the world. Uh, And so we just want to say a warm thank you for being here. We're kicking off a brand new series this morning uh, called Blessed. Can everybody say that with me? Say blessed. There we go. If you're blessed this morning, I want you to look at the person next to you and just tell them you are blessed because you're sitting beside me today. There we go. Make sure everybody's awake and alive this morning. But we're kicking off a series And it's going to be a three-week series, and and crazy enough, uh, this is our last series of the year before we step into our Christmas season, Uh, and it is hard to believe. I just need to see how many, um, how many, I'm not even going to give my opinion on the matter, but how many of you are listening to Christmas music already? That's good. That's good. Hopefully, you're extra generous since you're giving Christmas extra time to soak in. To your life. Well, to kick off this series, I I, I believe that we kind of just need to frame this term blessed a little bit because uh, when I hear the term blessed, I I've been in church. I don't want to say I've been a Christ follower my whole life. I've been in church my whole life. Uh, Some of you can probably relate, or maybe this is your first time in church uh, ever in your life, or it's been a long time. But blessed is kind of a term that I think we we it's it's real churchy. Uh, to me. And so when I hear the term blessed, I have different emotions. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, about that this morning. But I want to give you uh, my definition, what, what we're framing blessed at for this series. And it is this, and it'll be on the screen so all of you can read it. Blessed is having more than you need. Blessed is having more than you need. Now, I have two children, Cohen, who is age five, Jensen, who's age two, and it is rare that a Sunday goes by without me talking about them because they are just walking sermon illustrations. Uh, Pastor Dustin, uh, last Sunday night, he was talking about Judah. I mean, it is just great. I think that the Lord called pastors to have children for sermon illustrations, uh, if for nothing else. Um, And by the way, I just want to say, if you missed last week, uh, Brittany did an incredible job. Um, If you were not here, this was not in my notes. I should have included in my notes. If you were not here, please download the app. Go to our YouTube. uh, Go to our Facebook. Watch the message. um, And I will tell you, I made my bed every day this week. That is real talk. And if you listened to the message last week, you'll know that that's important. And uh, it was about three days after making the bed every day that I get a text from my wife. Did you make the bed today? And I said, three days in a row, baby. Um, 
We're good. But I have two kids, and, and my kids, because they are my children, there are a few things that I will always provide for, for them. They will, they will always have clothes on their body, okay? Um, well, sometimes they're boys. They like to run around the house naked, but they're not going out in public like that, okay? Uh, and if you're parents of boys, you just know they're at that age, and the moment they get out of the bathtub is how fast can we run until somebody can catch us. But I am responsible for putting clothes on their body. I'm responsible for making sure that there is shelter for them to have a place to live and that there is food on the table. Because they are my children, I will help to provide the basic survival needs for human life. But then there's the extras. Cohen, one of his favorite extras is a Chick-fil-A milkshake. Somebody said glory, and then you thought evil thoughts because it's Sunday and they're closed. <laughs> but there are the extras. But see, my kids don't get extras just because they're my kids. My kids get extras when they are obedient. I want you to follow me just for a second. Because I think some of us, we miss this whole idea of, of being blessed. And I believe that we are a blessed people. We are a blessed church. We are a blessed country. But being blessed is having more than we need, but we mix this up because sometimes we believe that we are entitled to blessing just because we have become sons and daughters of God, but blessing comes with obedience. God will provide everything we need when we begin to, to walk in relationship with him. Our needs are provided for. But I don't know about you, I want to walk in a life of blessing. I don't just want to walk in a, in a life of just enough. And I'm not just talking about money. This series isn't about money. We're going to talk a little bit about money, so I'm just throwing it out there because as a pastor, can I just have a confession? This is a real uncomfortable series. When we start talking about money, it gets real uncomfortable probably for you and for me. Okay, so can we just all agree that we're going to dive into this together and be okay? Because this isn't about what can come into the church. This is what God has given you. And our prayer and our hope for your life is that he is using you as a vessel to reach to the uttermost parts of the world. This isn't about, hey, Greenville First, we are actually, I'm, I'm just going to, we are, we are up in tithe this year by double-digit percentage. We're up in giving by double-digit percentage. This isn't a message because we need more. We can give God praise for that. This is because as your pastor, when I look into your life and when I see your family, my desire is that you walk in as much blessing as we walk in. And sometimes those are hard lessons to learn. Because, see, even for my kids right now, my kids, every time we walk into the store, merchandisers. I'm just going to, this isn't even in my notes. Why do you put candy in the reach of a two-year-old? I'm, like, still trying to fit both kids in the grocery cart, lock them down so that they can't reach. We'll, we'll be grocery shopping, and I'm, like, putting the stuff, and I, like, have to handle to make sure. I didn't get that. Where did this come from? And somehow, two- and five-year-olds, they just have this little knack for what has sugar in it, you know? 
But we use this as a teaching opportunity because when there's obedience, there's abundance that follows. I want my kids to understand when I do what's right, there are rewards on the other end of that. Now, this isn't a message because we are going to talk a little bit about tithing. I'm just going ahead and prepping you. But this isn't a, because I I believe that there are a lot of, of, of Christian leaders who have missed this and they've messed it up. And it becomes this message, well, if you give to God, he's going to give back to you. And so our whole metric of we give to get really is a selfish intent. But if you're a parent in the room, I think all of us want our kids to be obedient, right? Why? Because life is better when there's obedience a part of the equation. And I had an individual tell me this morning that it's time for us to have a girl in our life because they were watching our two boys. (laughs) And I said, well... I have to be okay with a third boy before we're going for the girl. Because <laughs> I just know, I just know that I am raising myself. Uh, and all my hard-headed tendencies that are still present in my life, I am watching in the life of a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, but I want to be obedient. I want to see our church be obedient. I want to see my children be obedient, but there are people who have messed this up, and and in churchy terms, we call it the prosperity gospel. It's a materialistic gospel that, hey, you give, and God's going to bring down riches into your life. I don't believe that that's the way it works. I just believe that when we walk in obedience, that there is going to be more than we need. And then there comes responsibility with that, but I'm not going to get to the end of my message quite yet. See, we aren't blessed just to see increase in our life, but the the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, you can do that in the app, you can do that in your worship guide, there's an insert, and the title is the key here, is that we are blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Can I tell you just how proud I am as a pastor of this church that last week we had 100 boxes taken? to provide Thanksgiving for families, that's more, that's more, yeah, amen, that's good, we can clap. That's more than we did in two weeks last year. But you know what, also, not only did your willingness to provide increase, but also did the need in our community. We have one elementary school, I think, that has 35 families that will be without Thanksgiving this this year if we don't step to the plate. How many other elementary schools Do you know what I see? My dream is that the the entire county, every elementary school, that we as Greenville First, as churches in this area, could step up. Why? Because the, the poor, the widow, the orphan, they are near and dear to God's heart. And when we ignore God's heart, when we ignore the needs in our own community, I believe we fail to be the hands and the feet. And so it is so encouraging to watch box after box. And if you weren't here last week, we have empty boxes for you to take this week. If you grabbed one last week, grab another this week. Because we believe that there are great needs and that we can be a part. We can be blessed to be a blessing. But see, we're all human. And our gravitational pull is not to to think of others first. It's to think of ourselves first. Hopefully at some point in your life you've received a pay increase or maybe you, you changed jobs and you were just making more money than you were at the, the, the last job. And what is our uh, uh, initial in, 
I, I think our fleshly response, and maybe this is just me, but anytime I've received a, a pay increase, my eyes get just a little bigger to the, to the toys that I could have. Anybody else with me? Can we just be honest this morning? Like, oh, I got a little extra in the paycheck. Yep, I'm going to upgrade my Netflix streaming, you know. I'm going to move from the basic to the, we can watch two at the same time. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to get the sirloin today. I'm going to get the filet today because, woo, I'm not just going to get just pulled pork. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add the ribs on today because... That paycheck's looking a little bigger because our initial response normally is when we have more is for us to upgrade. Am I the only one that's that way? I'm sorry. I mean, we're just going to have a confessional moment if I'm the only one who's that way. But when I have more, I want to upgrade more. That is our natural response. So church, this isn't, this isn't something that, that just you should feel bad. This is our natural inclination that as we have more, we want more. And the problem becomes is that we begin to believe that our upgrades and our more is going to satisfy us more. But John 15, verse 8 and 11, this is Jesus talking. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, when I read this scripture, there's, there's a few things that, that I can pull from here. But for today's message, to me, when I read that, that God's intent is for us to bear much fruit, not just bear fruit, but much fruit, and that by that we show ourselves to be his disciples, that our blessing is meant to be a blessing to others, and that other people will be able to look at our life and know that there is something different. And verse 11 is key. He said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete. Now here's why giving messages, when, when, when we get to talking about our finances, it's a hard topic to talk about. Why? Because for many of us, we are afraid that we're going to miss out on what this world has to offer when we trust God in every aspect of our life. For most of us in the room, the finances are the last part we begin to trust God with. For all of us. And it's not just God that is the last person. It's people. It's others. Hey, I'll take your restaurant recommendation, but the moment you want to ask for my money to, to take it and borrow it, take it and invest it, take it and, and use it on your terms, I'm going to have some issue with it. But see, we're not just missing out on what the world has to offer. We're gaining what God has to offer. There's this phrase out there on social media that, that, that says, living your best life. Living my best life. It, it, probably some of you have maybe even posted that, you know. And, and, it's, and it's normally like really awkward, uh, you know, you're just at the pool and it's pictures of your feet. Uh, or <laughs> living my best life. You're on vacation, living your best life. You're at the t-ball game, living your best life. Whatever it may be, you're living your best life. And if you're not on social media, this illustration is not going to connect with you. But if you are and you've seen anybody post that, let me just tell you that whatever you have tagged as your best life in your definition is far less than God's best for your life. 
I don't believe that God intends for us to settle for second best. I believe God wants to bless us, and I believe that God wants our best life to be a blessing to others. And that's in your notes today. Your best life is a life spent being a blessing. Being a blessing. There are so many unsung heroes in our church that I can't even begin to list them off or count them. But like yesterday, we had uh, the Miracle Hill, the, the, the boys and girls home were here for a carnival at our church. People that have been kids of all ages that have been taken from their home because their parents have, have been on hard times. Their parents have been deemed by the, the system as unfit to care for their children. And so their children have been removed. And we have people in our church, many of you who are sitting here today, who said, I'm going to give up a Saturday, not for my own life, but for the life of someone else. I'm going to make hot chocolate. I'm going to decorate cupcakes. I'm going to do face tattoos. I'm going to sit by a bouncy house and just wait for kids to come and jump in it. But I have figured out that my best life is a life that is spent being a blessing to others. See, this series isn't about just how can we gain God's blessing, but how can we gain God's blessing to bless others? Because I think that that is key for all of us, whether it's serving on a dream team each and every Sunday, whether it's, it's being a part of one of our outreach small groups, whether it's going on mission trips, it's serving God around the globe, whatever it may be. Maybe it's just taking a gift box. There is more fulfillment in me taking my kids. And, and I'll tell you, my kids, Cohen, this morning, Dad, is that the box we bought? Why? Because I believe that it is important to teach even our children that we are called to be a blessing to others. We don't have just for ourselves. We have so that we can love, that we can show the love and compassion to those around us. God created you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. We see this illustrated uh, even in beginning of Scripture. Many of you, if you went to Sunday school as a child, we sang this song, Father Abraham had what? There we go. Many sons had Father Abraham. In Genesis 12, 1, it tells the story. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. See, it's not just tied to possessions. God's going to increase Abraham's reputation. And you will be a blessing. See, there is a purpose behind the blessing that God is going to bring to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, as a blessed people, I believe this, that our church will become better. I believe that our city will become better. I believe our state will become better. I believe our workplaces will become better. I believe that our marriages will become better. I believe that our schools will become better. When we can understand this concept fully, that our blessing is meant to bless others. And you may sit here and say, well, Pastor, that's an Old Testament. That's an Old Testament principle. Well, let me just... Let me just Fast forward to Galatians 3.14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, who for most of us, that's us. I know that there are 
a, a, a few of you that would, would still fall under the Jewish family, but for the rest of us is Gentiles. Through Jesus Christ, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. See, God wants you to be blessed. He doesn't just want you to be married. He wants you to have a blessed marriage. He doesn't just want you to be parents. He wants you to have obedient and blessed children. He doesn't just want you to have a job. He wants you to have a purpose-filled, blessed job. But see, blessed people have a certain way that they live. And we're going to look at those in our three points today. And number one is this, that blessed people put God first. Blessed people put God first. Blessed marriage puts God first. Blessed business puts God first. I love reading all these articles about Chick-fil-A, how that they continue to honor Sundays and how their sales continue to soar and soar and soar. God's not about shortcuts. He doesn't want to bless the things that are gray areas in our life. He will bless the obedience. Thank goodness for the Kathy family that said, hey, we're going to stand on this principle regardless of what everybody else is doing. And that's hard sometimes in this world. But when we are obedient, when we put God first, everything else seems to work out. I can't tell you one time in my life where I have put God first and it was a mistake. I can't. I can't tell you one time I, I, I took a step of faith and put God first and he didn't honor it. When you live a God-first lifestyle, everything else will be better. There's no scripture and law out there that says that my number one relationship outside of God in my life should be my wife. There's not. Now, there's some common sense. And if you were here last week, you realize just how much I married up, uh, and so i got to keep that relationship good. I heard somebody say one time about their wife, they said, well, well she can leave me, but I'm going with her, you know. <laughs> so Brittany, I said, that's our deal, you know. <laughs> you can go wherever you want, but I'm following you, baby. But you know what? When I put Brittany above my family relationships, above my friendships, above every other relationship in my life, all my other relationships are better because of it. In the same way, when our relationship with God is put at the forefront, our marriages are better, our families are better, our workplace is better, our finances are better, our church is better. Why? Because blessed people put God first. And when we can begin to understand that, it changes everything. And Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom. Many of you have heard that verse so many times in his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But the hardest place to do this is in our finances. The last place we trust people is with our money. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. See, now I get to move from my, my needs being met to my life being blessed. When we give God the rest or give God the first, the, he blesses the rest. When we give him the first, he blesses the rest. But here's what happens. I'm going to ask Pastor Dustin uh, to come up here because we're going to have a little fun just for a moment. Because um, I just need you to imagine, I, I could have bought any pie, but I am partial to pecan pie. So if you uh, would say that you make the best pecan pie in the world, uh, test me, okay? 
and test me by, I don't make this, this is purchased at Bilo, uh, but I would love to sample the world's greatest pecan pies. Um, and there's no limit to your love for your pastor. <laughs> but let's just imagine just for a moment that this is our paycheck. Hopefully all of you are getting one, and if not, our unemployment rate is really low in Greenville, and I'm sure that there are business owners and business leaders who would love to help you find uh, a great job uh, here. But here's what happens uh, when it comes to our our paycheck. Normally, normally, this is what happens. Uh, Our first slice uh, comes out, and um, let's just pretend that that's a little bit of uh, of our our mortgage, because that, for a lot of us, is probably the biggest bill we and I'm just going to put that on the side just in case you don't like uh, Ready Whip. But um, find somebody without a nut allergy, please, because um, that would not be, if you're a nut allergy, please just stay away from the pecan pie. But the first slice comes out, and, and, and it's, our, it's our mortgage. Why? Because it, it's, such a big, it's such a big piece of what happens. And then, you know, well, this probably comes out before the mortgage, but um, maybe, maybe that's your taxes, and I know how much you love paying taxes. Um, I didn't get an amen on that one. But regardless, taxes are kind of, I mean, it's, it's a necessary evil. And if you serve in public office, we appreciate all of your service, and we gladly uh, give our taxes uh, to the government. Um, and then let's just say, hey, that's our car payment. Because most of us, we, we, well, I'm not even. I just go to Financial Peace University at some point if you're paying a car payment, okay? Um, and so that's your car payment because that comes out. And then uh, let's say this this next. Um, they say that school is free, but how many of you know that that's not true if you have children, <laughs> backpacks, and 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 school supplies, and then they expect our teachers to provide for. Uh, your children as well. So um, if you're a teacher in the room, I feel your pain. Uh, but that's school expenses. Then let's say, I don't know, a lot of y'all probably buy Starbucks. You like to eat out a little bit. I'm, I'm not calling out my wife for how fast she can blow through our Starbucks account. She tells me I've been trying to Starbucks divorce her for a long time because I tell her to get her own app. I'm like, stay away from my money. It auto-renews. But that's eating out. And then, oh, oh, we can't just eat out every meal, so we got to have groceries in the house. And uh, I don't know, our basic necessities. Hopefully you're paying your power bill um, and your water bill and all of that. And then uh, I- I'm just going to go ahead and... And and then our 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 we've we've got um, I don't know what else is our expenses oh insurance doctor bills um, you know I don't know gym memberships personal training right we everybody needs a personal training right <laughs> we got uh, we and we can hook you up too um, perfect so here's what happens we pass out all of our slices of pie and then we're left with just some crumbs and and probably the smallest piece. And we come to church and we say, God, I want to worship you today. God, I, I, I'm ready to be obedient today. God, I, I love you. And then comes the, off, uh, the offering, the awkward part of service because we try to be very delicate because if you're new here, 
we don't want you to feel compelled to give. We want you to feel compelled to be a part of our family. Because I believe that that relationship comes first. That, that's the first key to putting God first. But then here's what happens. Then all of a sudden we, we come to God and we say, oh, God, I, I'll, I'll just scrape what I have left. And so here's what happens. We take care of everything else and we wonder why sometimes there are only crumbs left. It's because we haven't figured out that if we give God our first piece, that he's got a supernatural way of making sure everything else works. I have never watched my family go hungry. And we've had some families in the church that have gone on tough times. And you know what? As a church, we won't watch families go hungry. This isn't an open invitation, but you know what? I believe that that's a part of our responsibility. When I read about the church, this isn't even in my notes. When I read about the church, they shared everything so that no one was in need. But here's the problem. If all we're doing is just scraping our crumbs together and then there's needs that take place, we're offering our crumbs to meet needs that may need a full slice of pie. Because God's not bringing his blessing upon our life for us to see increase, but it's for us to be a blessing. You know, there's one place in Scripture that says for us to test God, and it's Malachi 3, verse 10 through 11. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room, room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. You know, that's even why we as a church have a principle that we, our, our floor, okay, our floor, not our ceiling, our floor is that a minimum of 10% of everything that comes in to Greenville First actually goes out of Greenville First. Last year, I think we were at like 20%. Why? Because we as a church, can't ask you to do something that we don't do ourselves. So that means that we, we have a biblical concept of tithing as a church, that we support missionaries all across the globe. We support outreaches right in our backyard. Why? Because we understand that God blesses those who will put him first. And we have a story this morning that's right out of our very own church of a couple that's learned just to do that. Dealing with uh, diabetes and and this situation started about 30 years ago actually and so you know we found out and now we it just progressed and it progressed different stages until i was on dialysis for the last year and a half i had total kidney failure my eyesight i lost the right eye and then i have trouble in the left eye so my eyesight is limited so i am very needy needy by my wife and so we've been just working together to get through but as i sat on dialysis chair for three days a week i just said lord natural or supernatural, you know, I'll take it either way. And so God provided naturally in July 30th, a, a kidney and a pancreas. And so it's been an uphill battle, but it's been an encouraging thing to have my wife to be there and not give up and then all the help that we have from the church and friends and even family coming in to help. Something that Jerome always said since the time I've known him, and I've said it all my life is God is faithful. It actually goes back to many years ago where we had to learn how to be faithful in um, trusting him with the tithe. 
and with with offering you know psalm 127 one says except the lord build the house they labor in vain that build it we learned over 30 years ago early in our marriage yeah. you know to let him build our house mm-hmm. and to uh, not try to build our house on our own and that if we uh, trust him according to malachi and when it says bringing you all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me that i will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive and all i can say is you know we've learned to prove him over these many years by just we don't think about it we as soon as we get it it's out of our hands well i know three years ago before we got to that point uh where um drawn down dollars as we sat down and we had to make a decision because physically uh, I was starting to see the, the effect physically in me of the long process. So during that time, he had begun going back, to, he went back to work and the house uh, for six months he worked and there was a car accident that took place. But in that event, his eyesight got worse and he had to work for only six months and he stopped to save his eyesight. Three years ago from that point to this summer, um, we couldn't keep up with it. And we did everything we knew to do, everything. But we just decided we just gonna trust the Lord. God gave us so much grace and so much favor with Memorial Company. It's something that I can't explain. All I know is he gave me wisdom one step at a time, one day at a time. And so it came down to the point where we had to make a decision this summer while he was also waiting for a transplant. And we knew We knew that if we moved, then he would have to be off the list because you have to be stable. And so we came down one more time and say, Lord, we're gonna pray about this thing one more time. And as I was on my way down the stairs, the Lord said, your prayers have been heard on high. Now you must give me praise. And while we were in Charleston, not working, God provided. I'm telling you, spirit-led stories of people calling me and saying, hey, you are my heart. Had no idea we had to go fund me. Didn't know it at all. And they said, I want to drop this in your account. I want to do this. Every single time, it met the need that we had to pay my house note. On top of that, I had favor with my job. And they decided to pay me. Every time I updated my information and let them know what's going on, to pay me. And I was able to make my payments on the house. And then as of two days ago, we were able to sign the paperwork to seal the deal. And so we'll get the rest of the information in the mail, uh, whether they wrapped it, however they did it. I know they forgave a big chunk. I don't know all the details, but all I know is it's no more than what we paid when we originally moved in the house 12 years ago. Out of the whole thing and this whole lesson or whatever that I walked through, I've learned that God is and will always be faithful. Amen. Can we give God praise for that? I just remember one day while Jerome and Carla were down in, in Charleston looking over our, our giving for the week and seeing that they were still paying their tithes in the middle of displacement from work, displacement from their home because of the transplant, but choosing to say, God, we are going to keep you first and trust you in all things. Church, this isn't an easy thing. I think for a lot of us, we think, well, when I have more, then I'll be able to tithe. It doesn't matter at what level of your life, it is a step of faith. 
It's a huge step of faith. But see, we at Greenville First, we believe in helping you journey from where you are to where God wants you to be. That's our mission. That's why we exist. So you know what? That means that if it's difficult for you to exercise faith and trust in your giving, we want to help you on that. That's why if you got to worship God today, you're probably wondering, what is this? But inside, there's a 90-day tithe challenge. That if you're not tithing, this is what we're willing to do as a church. If scripture says, test and see that I'll be faithful, we want to help you in that process. So if you've never tithed before, maybe you've not been a fool, maybe you've just been a giver, not a tither, then we want to help you. There's a little form there. Be very discreet. Just say, hey, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to do the tithe challenge. And this is what the 90 days means. At the end of 90 days, if you don't feel like you are living a blessed life, you just schedule a meeting with me. I'm not going to, well, are you sure you're not blessed? No, no questions asked. You come into my office, we'll cut you a check that day for the entirety of everything you've given in those 90 days. Why? Because I believe that when we live a blessed life, that things change. That God is able to do more through us when we just say yes and we'll be obedient. Practical application for putting God first, become a percentage giver. That's it. Become a percentage giver. Maybe even for you today that this is just too big of a step of faith for you. Oh my goodness. Tithing, that's tough. Start somewhere. Start somewhere and become a percentage giver. And here's the thing I love about percentage giving is it levels the playing field. It's not the amount that matters, it's the sacrifice. That we have an opportunity to all, it doesn't matter how much we make on opposite ends of the spectrum, we can all still participate in the same way. Number two is this, is that blessed people are good stewards. And these last couple are gonna be quick. See, we think if I had more, I'd, I'd take care of it. If I had the new car, I'd take it and get it washed and I'd keep it clean. Can I just say, if you can't handle what you have, you're never going to have more? Scripture, Brittany talked about this last week. I talked about it two weeks before. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Maybe you don't have more because you can't handle more. Because blessed people are good stewards. You know what that looks like in your life? Get on a budget. It's amazing what a spreadsheet can do for your life. I'm going to tell this little side story real quick. But six months before Brittany and I got married, and we are blessed. And I'm sorry if I'm singling out my in-laws and my parents, but we're blessed. We were blessed growing up. But one thing that we never sat down with our parents and did was articulate like a physical budget for our life. We were taught how to put God first. We were, we were taught how to be generous and, and live in that way and, and that credit cards are bad, but we just hadn't practiced a budget. So some of our closest friends, they had been married a couple of years. They, they gave us a book called Total Money Makeover right six months before we got married. Changed our life. Changed the, the, the landscape of our future because we realized what God can do through our finances just when we understand how to be a good steward. I can give more. I can do more just by telling my money where it's going to go instead of it telling me where it's going to go. 
Why do we do financial peace in our small groups? Because we believe in financial freedom that God wants to do more in and through your life. Getting on a budget and that Excel spreadsheet, and I spent time, if you know anything about me, everything's color-coded. If our numbers get out of whack, it turns from black to, to red. And if it's in the proper, it should be green. And I mean, there's so many cool things. All, all of you uh, people who work with Excel on a daily basis, you like know there are some hidden cheat codes there. Um, but it's wonderful. Do you know how many, how many college students over the years when we were serving in, in, in Lakeland, Florida, we gave that budget to? If there's one thing we can do for you, get on a budget now and see what God can do in and through your life. And we've watched as, as we've seen students go all over the place and now they're coming out of college debt-free and or they're tackling debt like crazy when they're coming out. Why? Because they realize that God can do more if we can be better stewards. If you take care of what you have, you'll be blessed as a church. We're in budget season right now. Why? Because we want to be good stewards of what God has. And when we mess up, we got to have some correction. And Hey, let's get back to it. Why? Because if you get step one and you put God first, that means you're bringing money into the storehouse. And then if we're not good stewards, I don't believe God will bless our church. But I believe God's blessing our church because we're saying, yes, we want to be good stewards. Yes, God, we want to operate on a budget. Yes, we want to put you first. And then number three is this, is that blessed people should not feel guilty, but you should feel responsible. Blessed people should not feel guilty, but they should be responsible. Andy Stanley wrote a book, and I'll close with this. It's, it's titled Be Rich. And there's two themes that come from this book. And the first is that you are richer than you think you are. And number two, we aren't very good at being rich. And in the book, they tell of this national poll that the national poll said if you have a household combined income of $150,000 a year, you're rich. And for some of you in the room, you'd say, yeah, that's rich. For some of you in the room, you're like, that doesn't feel very rich. Regardless of where you are, it's perspective because here's the deal. If you made under $40,000 a year, you said that $75,000 a year is rich. Now, if you're in that bracket, you're like, there is no way I'm rich. I'm just trying to, if Duke Energy raises their rate one more time, I'm gonna. But then if you read Money Magazine, some of you didn't know that, that was a thing, but if you read Money Magazine, then your idea of rich people would say they have to make $5 million a year. And I love that this quote from Andy Stanley, he said, nobody is rich, but everybody knows somebody who is. <laughs> See, we live in what I believe to be one of the greatest countries on, on earth. We are blessed people, but we have rich people problems because of it. My two and five-year-old will tell me when the Wi-Fi is slow. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Some of you have complete rooms for stuff that you like to hoard or clothes. Maybe you call it a closet, but you could live in there. And then you may have even walked in that closet this morning and looked at all of your clothes and still said, I don't have anything to wear. 
I mean, this is the society we live in. But 1 Timothy, I love this instruction, 6, verse 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. See, it's the grace of God that we have the opportunity to live a blessed life. It's not by our talent and ability that wasn't given by God. So if you've got a great company, if you've got a great job, it's God who gave you all of the workings in your life to put you there. So don't forget it. But all of this is uncertain. Put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That means it's okay to have some nice things. Be responsible. And verse 18 is our command. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Do you know the stat says that the more people make, the less they give? So this whole idea that I, I'm going to put God first when I make more money is so upside down because the reality statistics say the more money you make the less God has room in your life but in verse 19 in this way they will lay treasure up for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life so the practical application for this if God gives you more do more some of you the changes we've seen this year we've been able to do because you have done more because God's given you more. And I want to say thank you. Here in a few weeks, we're going to do our miracle offering. If you've joined the church since February, you're probably like, what is that, Pastor? On, on December 9th, we are, I think, 8th? 9th. 8th is a Sunday. I have it right there in my nose. December 8th, on that morning, we are taking a miracle offering that's not for internal. This doesn't pay our bills. This doesn't pay salaries. It is to further the kingdom of God. Some of that's providing Christmas for families. Some of that is providing for missionaries for some of the projects that they have. It's enabling us to help with some church plants. Why? Because we believe that what God is calling us to do is a body of believers. We need to do more to participate at the level that God wants us to. But here's the thing. I'll tell you this. Why? Now, because some of you have been given to Kingdom Builders all year, and thank you. This is the culmination. Everything that we've done all year. And then we get to announce how much has come in for Kingdom Builders this year. And I can tell you already where we're tracking, it is unbelievable. But on December 8th, we're going to have an opportunity to weigh in on a miracle offering. Why? Because I believe that we're blessed people and God's called us to do more. But I don't want you to give out of guilt. I don't want you to give out of shame. I don't want you to give out of compulsion. I want you to give out of obedience. Because you've got now a little less than a month to pray and ask God, God, what would you have me do? And don't look at somebody else's amount and feel like yours is less than. Because if God is asking you to do it, it's enough. So if we have more, what should we do with it? We should do more. I think of this as, as we land the plane. The way to my heart is my kids and my wife. You do for them, you've done more for me. And in the same way, why do we do the miracle offering? Because the way to the Father's heart is His kids. It's what breaks His heart. What do we see in Scripture? Jesus talks often about the widow. He talks often about the orphan. He talks often about the poor, the less fortunate. So why do we do this? So that we can be able to be a blessing. God has blessed us, not for us, but to be a blessing to others.
See, some of you in the room, your, your practical application today is you gotta take the tithing challenge. For some of you, you've been tithing, but your finances still feel all over the place. You're trying to balance, it's like a juggling act. You're like, I'm trying, pastor, I'm trying to keep God first, but everything keeps getting thrown my way. Well, here's what I wanna tell you. We will line you up with a financial counselor, either ourselves or we'll put you in touch with somebody who can help you get on a budget. Why? Because that will help you be responsible with what God has given you. And some of you in the room need to act on that. You live on a budget. You may even tithe. But it's time and God's asking you to be generous because he's given a lot and he's asking you to just do more. Let's close today. Every head bowed, every eye closed in the room. You know, this is an uncomfortable message for a salvation call, but we believe at Greenville First that every week we never want to miss a moment for somebody to put God first in their life and to become their Lord and Savior. And so if you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I need to commit my life. You're talking about money and finances. I just came in with a lot of baggage, a lot of sin in my life, a lot of guilt and shame, and I'm ready to be done with it. And I need to commit my life to him. If that's you in the room today, will you just slip your hand up? Nobody's looking, just me. Thank you. Thank you. See that hand. Anybody else? You can slip it up and write back down. Can we just all repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, forgive me of everything I've done that is sin and it would separate me from you. Come into my life. Help me to love you. Help me to love others. In Jesus' name, everybody said,